0: Well, good morning. Good morning. Blessed be the name of our Lord. Amen. You know, I think most of us can relate to this, that life is filled with interruptions, right? Life is filled with interruptions. I mean, think about today, all the distractions and interruptions, you know, text messages, emails, the spam phone calls. Just you know, like, oh, at least I'm getting a phone call. But most of the time it's spam, right? Right in the middle of something important, Years ago, I don't think they still have this, but they used to break into regular television programming with this message, we interrupt this regularly scheduled programming to bring you an emergency alert. Anybody remember that, that interruption? Life is filled with interruptions. My husband and I had a a bit of an interruption yesterday. Uh, We were officiating at a memorial service up in Bakersfield and, you know, so we, you know, you know check how long it's going to take us on ways and, you know, maps and everything. And we have plenty of time. We stop and get coffee. We are cruising. You know, we're on the five. We are on the grapevine. We're just doing, I mean, mm, man, we're almost there. And um, I see this sign that says Bakersfield, 45 miles. We've still got plenty of time. And then my sister-in-law, the service was for her mother-in-law, calls to say that she's just a little bit ahead of us. And there has been a big rig that has gone over and is blocking three of the lanes. And the expected wait time is 80 minutes. Interruption. And it, so it was actually more like two and a half to three hours. And at one point, my husband turns to me and goes, dear, you really should not be on your phone while you're driving. And, and in fairness to myself, it was spiritual on the phone because I was looking at a commentary on the, today's passage, but I said, dear, I know I'm driving, but we're sitting literally like on a parking lot on, on the grapevine. It, we move like five miles in two and a half hours in interruption. We made it, everything was fine, but you know, you make your plans and you're hit with interruption. And some are merely irritations and others are bigger. Pastor Tim's life was interrupted this week. He had planned to preach today on joy, but came home with a nasty cold, came down with a nasty cold and was re- recovering at home, and so be praying for him for a speedy recovery. Pastor Kate, along with Leif and Jonathan's life, uh, have been excitingly interrupted, Little Miriam Wallace Nunally was born at 2:31 a.m. on Saturday morning, December 10th. Yes, Yay-hoo-hoo! eight pounds, two ounces, and 21 inches long. And let's pray that their sleep is not interrupted. But I don't think that 2:31 a.m. in the morning bodes well for their life. But you know, they'll get over it in you know 20 years or so. The Christmas revelation, the the nativity story, is filled with divine interruptions. The wedding plans and really the life plans of a young woman are interrupted when she finds out she is with child by the Holy Spirit. The virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and he shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us a small businessman in Nazareth planning a simple life, a carpenter with his fiance. They have a dream, a dream of a life. And then he's interrupted by a dream and an angel. And it is revealed that his plans will be forever interrupted. And this week, as we light the rose candle, the rose-colored candle, the third candle of the Advent wreath, the joy candle, which is sometimes called the shepherd's candle, We're going to look at a workplace interrupted. People just doing their job, clocking in, interrupted by a message of an angel in a big way with big news. We're going to read from Luke, the second chapter, starting with verse 8. And if you are able, um, I would ask that you please stand. And if you're not able, that is absolutely fine. We bow our hearts and, and, and praise the Lord. So hear God's word as it comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, chapter two, starting with verse eight. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. (laughs) And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ. He is the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the word of the Lord. Would you bow in a word of prayer with me, please? Gracious Lord, we just thank you for the truth of your holy word. We thank you for the divine interruption. Emmanuel, God with us. Speak to our hearts now that we might... Press into you, lean into you, know your presence and your grace in the midst of any of the interruptions going on in our life and any of the interruptions that may come around the corner that we might worship and bow before you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. So in Luke's gospel, what we really have here it's a heavenly birth announcement. And it's really the only one. I mean, it only goes to the shepherds. You know, a, you think about if, if any of you who have children, you know, you, you send out birth announcements. It's really fun to be creative. And, and today we've got, you know, Pinterest and Instagram. I mean, my goodness, I just, I've gotten, we've gotten so many cute um, birth announcements. But this one, this one beats Instagram and Pinterest. I mean, this is a heavenly birth announcement. An angel, Graham, and, and it's incredibly unique. First of all, to who it is given to. It's given to the shepherds. I mean, really? I mean, they're outliers, misfits, outcasts. I mean, they're literally considered physically unclean. I mean, try living with smelly sheep 24-7, and it says they were living out there. I mean, there were no showers, You know, there there were no hand sanitizer. There weren't any of those little packages you kind of rip open or it's, you know, none, none. They stunk. They were dirty. They were spiritually unclean, considered spiritually unclean. I mean, they didn't have the Sabbath off. Oh yeah, guys, I'm leaving to go worship in the temple. No, I mean, they had to tend the sheep. People looked at them kind of rudely out of the corner of their eyes. They, They weren't really a trusted part of society. They were considered, in a sense, unimportant nobodies. And here's the incredible thing, is they are the ones who received this angel, gram announcing the birth of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Now, again, we all get these cutesy announcements, but this one was scary. (laughs) <laughs> you know, we think of angels as these sweet, cute little cherubs. you know, they have rolls of fat. look at this. This was one we were actually working on uh, for our kids this past week. You know, they're sweet, you just want to, you just want to go up there and just pinch their little cheeks, don't you? They're just so cute? Well, I don't think this was the angel that appeared to the shepherds. I don't think this at all. I mean, you know, we uh, imagine for a second that the archangel Michael or, or Gabriel, show up. What would be your response? I think the response of the shepherds, fear and and, and, and terror. Now added to this announcement of, uh, and again, I don't know what Michael or Gabriel look like, but I'm pretty darn sure it doesn't look like what we have hanging on, you know, the ornament on the Christmas tree. Add to this, there is, Heavenly hosts that appear start singing. I mean, if one is gonna scare you, trust me, a whole multitude of them, you are gonna be filled with terror. And, and what really is the heavenly hosts? I mean, how many? We don't know. It's like an army of angels. I mean, you are sitting there doing your job. You know, you're out there in the field, you're taking care of the sheep, and you have this incredible birth announcement And the glory of the Lord surrounded them. There's a story of a little first grader who was given a very prominent role in the Christmas pageant, in the church Christmas pageant as an angel. And the mother rehearsed his one line with him over and over again. This is his line. It is I, don't be afraid. But when it came time for the pageant, A little boy walks onto stage and he sees the floodlights and the size of the crowd unnerved him. And when, when it came time for his lines, he, he couldn't remember them. And suddenly he blurted out, it's me and I'm scared to death. <laughs> I mean, that was the response of the shepherds. We're scared. We, we are filled with terror. And here's the message. You nobodies, you outliers. You're invited to the delivery room of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the promised one, the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Savior. Is born this day. They were invited to enter in. I mean, what a cool invite, right? But you can imagine the fear they had and... When the angel says, fear not, and Pastor Tim talked about this last week with Joseph, you know, fear not. Mary heard that, fear not. You know, fear not is a command that is used in Scripture at least 365 times. One for every day of the year. Why? Because there's some really scary things that go bump in the night, right? Because there are a lot of interruptions that just take us out of our comfort zone and are in scary places and yet the word is fear not and the angel tells the shepherds that it is a message of good news that the savior is to be born and that it was great joy huge joy mega joy just a little tickle of joy but really wow this is joy Now, I wanna look just briefly at happiness versus joy. Now listen, I am not one to dis happiness because I think believers should be the happiest in the world, but here's the thing, I love to be happy. I wanna be happy. I am hoping that everybody who opens the gifts that I so thoughtfully bought for them off of Amazon is incredibly happy when they see my thoughtfulness. I mean, happiness is great, but here's the thing about happiness. It is determined and dependent on positive temporary external factors. See, happiness is tied to things going well. It is a word that comes from Heden, meaning temporary pleasure. I mean, this is not a bad thing. I wanna be happy. Joy, though, is, a, is deeper. Joy is a supernatural emotion that remains in the life of a believer in spite. Of their circumstances. Joy is from the Lord and based on his presence in our life. It does not change with fluctuating circumstances. It is an inner attitude of rejoicing in one's salvation, regardless of the hard interruptions that come our way. It is rooted in the character and the promises of a holy and a righteous God who loves us with a passionate love and extends joy and grace. It is a deep, soul-level place of trust. Let me give you an illustration of an interruption in our life. 18 years ago, my family and my life were interrupted. I went in for a ordinary um, mammogram and found out that I had stage two breast cancer. And that followed six months of chemotherapy and 36 radiation treatments followed and loss of hair and nausea. And you know, quite frankly, fear and terror. Sometimes at night I would just wake up terrified because I had two young children. And it filled me with terror to think they would be raised without me. Well, 18 years later, this past Friday, I was at City of Hope for my annual checkup. Praise God. I have not, you know, I've been good for 18 years. I I thank God for every single day. Well, I went in for my annual checkup on Friday, my follow-up, and um, I got a text from Pastor Tim. He said, call me when you have a minute. So I call him and he, you know, you could hear from his voice that he was sick. And he said, you know, is there any way you can preach on Sunday? And I'm, you know, okay. And uh, so anyway, as I am waiting to meet with my oncologist, and as I'm waiting for the results of my follow-up testing, I was thinking about this idea of joy. I was thinking about the fact that I really prayed and hoped that The news the oncologist gave me would make me happy, that I would be happy. Yay, I'm happy. Another year, another clean bill of health. But as I was thinking about this biblical joy, I was hit with the reality that my joy in the Lord is not determined by a diagnosis, it is not determined by a happy news. Now, thank you, Lord. I'm very, very grateful that, you know, I was given good news on Friday. This is joy is this presence of the Lord in our life with such goodness that in the midst of the interruptions of the bad news and the hard news and the scary news and the terror-feeling news, we can trust in a mighty and a holy God. Somebody said, Happiness is smiling when the sun's out, and joy is dancing in the downpour. I love that quote until this morning. <laughs> I'm like, I'm such a hypocrite because I'm saying it now, but I'm like, I have to go out in this. I just did my hair. Joy is the kind of happiness that does not depend on what happens. So let's pause for just a moment. I love this series that we're doing because um, with this Advent series, it's not just about here's some knowledge about joy so you can all go home and talk about joy, but how do we actually practice it in our daily life? How do we practice this joy of the Lord in the midst of life's often hard, terror-filled interruptions? The first is in the midst of the interruptions and the struggles to come to Jesus, to be in his presence, to lean in to this God. You think about the shepherds, you know, they could have stayed in the dark, inky night at a dead-end, stinky job, and they would have missed the presence of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But They actually made haste. They're like, hey, let's do this thing. And they made haste and they ran. Do you know the presence of the Lord in your life? Because trust me, you will have interruptions and scary interruptions. All of us do. Somebody has said we're either in the midst of a storm, we're on the way out of one, or unbeknownst to us, we're on the way in. And I've never shared with anybody that they should come into a relationship with Christ out of fear. Like, oh, I'm afraid something's going to happen. And, you know, it's like an insurance policy. No, 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 no. But the presence of the Lord of Lords, who willingly came into our world, that we could know him, that we could know peace, that we could know forgiveness. Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Who doesn't want this fullness of joy? The presence of the Lord, the angels made, excuse me, the the shepherds made haste and they ran to the delivery room and they worshiped in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. They were still shepherds. (laughs) They were still outcasts, you know? Nobody was inviting them to the Christmas party. They still stunk but they had been in the presence of the King and they knew relationship with him. Second, a way to practice joy is to bow down before him. To bow down before him. You know, we bow down to so many things. So many things grab a hold of our heart and our attention. So many things that it's kind of hard when we're holding on to all these things that we're so sure will, will give us a sense of control and happiness and peace. And it's really hard to, to let go and, and to, to bow down. But see, all those things, apart from God, are temporary at best. You know, what holds your heart? What, what keeps you from fully bowing your life before the King? What keeps you in the field in the dark night as an outcast and misfit instead of bowing? A Number of years ago, my husband and I led a tour um, in Israel, and we just had it was it was really a fun. I mean, it was it was great. It was a spiritual experience, it was also a lot of fun. Um, and one of our you know sites that we went to was Bethlehem, and you know Bethlehem is under Palestinian rule, and so there is a huge dividing wall. That you have to, you know, go through at the guard gate, and you know, guards uh, get onto your bus, your tour bus, and you know, they've got, <laughs> they they've got guns, you know, they are they're packing, and you know, you're like, I'm in Bethlehem, it's gonna be joy and peace, kind of scary. Um, anyway, you know, they're shopping and there's spending... fun. In fact, I, this is just an aside, but I purchased um, uh, a nativity set carved out of um, olive trees, olive wood from uh, Bethlehem that is at the church that I used to serve at. So, and they told me uh, just last week when I saw somebody that they, they have it up. So that touches my heart. But it was from Bethlehem. Well, the thing about um, Bethlehem is that there is a small cathedral that was built after the birth of the Lord. And it's the thought, and they don't know, but it's the thought that that's where, um, you know, Jesus was was born. Again, we don't know exactly where. It's not like, you know, God gave us a map and, you know, I mean, here's our map, but he didn't like Mark and X, you know, here in Bethlehem is where it was. But the way it's designed, you walk into this, um, the Church of the Nativity, and there's an, a, a big altar, and then behind it, there is this cave. Because, you know, Jesus wasn't born in what we think of as a stable. It most likely was more like a cave, a, a dark cave, and, and there are, you know, candles lit and everything. But, but here's the key about this, this cave. In order to enter, you have to bow down because it's very low. You, you have to bow in order to go into the place where they think that Jesus was born. And, you know, we did, it's kind of hard to get up, you know, now at my age, I don't know if I could go back, but um, there was such a sense of the presence of the living God. And again, I don't know if that's exactly where he was born, but just that idea of the bowing down. And so that's how we practice joy is we, we bow down, which means we have to let go of the other things that we're holding on to that don't allow us to bow down before the King of Kings and the Lord of lords. So what is holding on to you in such a way? What's holding on to you in such a way that it's really hard to bow down? What security blanket, what person, what relationship, what thing is keeping you from bowing? I love the words of a little town of Bethlehem written in 1868. O holy child of Bethlehem, Descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in, be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. Oh, come to us, abide with us, our Lord, Emmanuel. And then the third thing I'd encourage you in practicing joy is to remember that God's interruptions are divine opportunities they are divine opportunities. And see, we don't see it when we're just right in the midst of a surprise interruption. All we see is how it's, wow, this is going to cause this, this, oh my. We don't see what divine opportunity, what door God is opening for us. Priscilla Schreier wrote this, believing that life's interruptions, divine interruptions are a privilege, not only causes us to handle them differently, but literally to await them eagerly. You know, the shepherds could have stayed at their job and ignored, but wow, look at the opportunity they would have missed. I know those angels said, let's do this. <laughs> let's make haste and let's get over there. And let, let, let's bow down before the king. They didn't delay. They, you know, because here's the problem with obedience, delayed obedience. Is it's, it's an opportunity to, excuse, to make excuses and justify why you're not going to obey. They, they made haste. They heard this. Yeah, they were filled with terror. They were scared. But they made haste. And they went. And they bowed before the king. They took their fears, their terror, and they ran to the king. Again, the only ones that were invited were these sturdy, smelly, misfits, and outcasts. And the interruption came as an opportunity for them in obedience to become really the first witnesses to the birth of the king. They worshiped, and then they went out, and they gave glory to this God so that others could hear and know. They are really the first evangelists in Scripture. We don't understand what happens in an interruption, but God does. And when we hand it over to God in obedience, Psalm 44, oh, the joys of those who trust in the Lord. I want to close with this story, and it's just a story. It's not in scripture. Um, It's a sweet little story, but it makes a point. It's a story about a shepherd who was a youth on that first Christmas night, and now he is old, and as his grandson sits on his knee, he recalls that night. He says, a long, long time ago when I was little more than a boy, I was out in the Judean hills one night with some other shepherds keeping watch over the flock. And an angel of the Lord came upon us, and the glory of the Lord shone around us, and we were very afraid. But the angel said, fear not, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. You shall find the baby in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. When he had said this, the old man's lips quivered, and he ceased to move, and there was silence Then the grandson turns and looks with wide, puzzled eyes into his grandfather's face and says, Grandfather, is that all? What did you do when you heard the good news? Was what the angel said really true? Was the Christ child really born? And the old shepherd sadly shakes his white head and answers, I never knew. I never went to see. Some say that it's all a myth, others say they found in him the light of God and the power for life. But for me, I could never be quite sure because I never did go to sea. You know, I don't know what you're facing and I don't know what you are facing, but I know that there is a holy and a righteous God, one God, triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that he alone is worthy of all worship. And in this world of interruptions and distractions, there is so much that gets a hold of our hearts and our lives that take our eyes off of him and in the short term seem like they're worth more. But they're not. And you know, it is God's mercy when he brings a divine interruption to shake us up that we might hopefully and prayerfully in haste turn back run into the presence of the king and bow before him i pray for all of us that we would open our hearts fully to the presence of this king that we don't need to stay awake at night worrying about terrors and fear because we have a God who has gone before. And this is what he says to us. One of my favorite verses, Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. May we bow before this holy and righteous and all-powerful sovereign, King of kings and Lord of lords. Would you bow before me? God, thank you for the witness of these shepherds. Thank you, God, for the example we have of being hit with some real fear and terror and yet meeting you in the midst of it. God, this is kind of a scary prayer, but I pray that you would do whatever it takes in each of our lives that you would bring any interruption into our life that would draw us back to gazing into the holy worthiness of the living King, that we would not spend our time on that which is temporary, but live our life fully for you. We pray this in the name of the risen Lord. Amen and amen.